podcast, where not only do we break down one film from the IMDb Top 250 every fortnight, but we also do a wide variety of other things, including what we're doing today, which is something we do once a year. It's a great show. We love it. Spend so long trying to get it right. It is our Top 20 Films of 2019. And as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Daniel Henderson. How you going, mate? I'm doing fantastic. We're going to talk about some amazing films some today. Some great films. Yes, indeed. I can't wait. Well, you don't have to wait too long. We're going to be doing it very shortly. But how you going, mate? It's last week. Last week. I'm good. What did we do? Oh, we got a little drunk together on the weekend. We had a bit of a bender. We went to a cocktail party and my God, did we get smashed. I suited up like the dapper bloke I am. You were looking very nice. You rocked up in your shorts and your shirt. That's not true at all. I had jeans on. Not jean shorts. Not jorts. (laughs) Jeans. Someone gave me a tie though. So I was rocking the t-shirt with a tie look. Yeah, you made it a a bit less casual. I must say, I was just impressed that I was able to still tie a tie because it has been years and years and years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you got me to tie a tie at your wedding. Did I? Probably. Are you good at tying ties? Of course I am. (laughs) What? I don't believe that. I am a dapper man. I know how to tie a tie. How was your week though, Hendo? Not too bad. I've moved on to a new store. You've moved on? Yes. Were you sad about the people at your last store that you're not going to talk to ever again? No, I'm still going to talk to them. No, you won't. I'll see them consistently. Why? Because- Leave them alone, all right? Move on. <laughs> Guys, here you go. Don't forget <laughs> They're me. probably there celebrating they never have to see you and you keep rocking up there once a week. Like, What's hey going on? Guys. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Can we hang out? <laughs> <laughs> no, it just started today, so- Still going to get my feet wet there, but we'll uh, we'll see how we go. Get your feet wet. Is that an expression? Yes. Isn't it like get your- <laughs> Where were you going there? <laughs> I was going to say dick. I was going to say beak. I never said you were going to say dick. Yeah, get your mind I, out of the gutter. I could tell. Isn't it like get your beak wet? I think it can be both, can't it? So you can get your beak and your dick wet. <laughs> At the same time would be impressive. I think we're getting a bit off course here. Is that what you did today? <laughs> Is that why you're in such a good mood? <laughs> Dean, you want to know what else we're going to be doing today? What else are we doing, Hendo? Well, we're going to take a look at the latest Pod v Pod 33 results of our draft. Between ah, with us, Nick. Nick at the, the Epic, Epic Film Guys. Film Guys. What was the draft? Who cares? <laughs> Son of a bitch. It doesn't matter because Charles we've already Bronson, fucking lost. Are you serious? Still holding a grudge. Hey, name all those canon films, you motherfucker. <laughs> but we're also going to be taking a look at our latest 2010 film tournament results. We've got a couple more to say this time. And we've also got our question of the week, which very fittingly, we've asked, what is your favourite film of 2019? And we've also had our Facebook listener community and our patrons give us their top 10, which we've put together in a big collective best average films of 2019. Sounds good. But before all that... Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? I'm going to be talking about basically 2019 films here because nothing else changed. Joker has gone down two more spots to 32. Ah. Mm. Parasite stayed where it was at 26. 1917. Is that news, is it? (laughs) Well, it Uh, just kept going up. Parasite just, uh, 26. Still hasn't cracked that 25 I know, I'm just waiting for it. (laughs) 1917 has gone down to 47. Six spots. Cool. Ford v Ferrari has gone down five spots to 147. Marriage Story has gone down 19 spots to 219. And Little Women has dropped eight more spots to 238. So I can see Marriage Story and Little Women probably saying goodbye in a couple of weeks. Yeah, pretty shortly, no doubt. Yeah, so that's your very brief update for the Top 250 this week. Thank you, Hendo. It's all right. But we're here for one reason. Let's do it. The Top 20 Films of 2019. Now, 
Start off with you, Dean. We're going to go back and forth, obviously. Makes sense. Dean, kick it off with your number 20. My number 20 is a film that you did recommend to me that I probably would not have watched otherwise, starring Ray Romano and Mark Duplass. It is Paddleton. Nice. Paddleton's this was, good. This was very emotional. Very, very emotional uh, about this you know, guy who gets sick. Great story of friendship. Really bought into it. All right. What's going to kick it off for you, Hendo? My number 20 is a film I haven't spoken about on the podcast yet that I saw very recently. It's called One Cut of the Dead. Ah, the old recency bias. Nice. Is it recency bias? Well, yeah. Well, just because I watched it recently it's and it's a high mark? Yes. I don't think it's like recency, recency bias at all. I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that it's a really good film. You're, I, you're honestly, it's fresher in mind when no, you're doing these lists. No, because there are films on my list here that I saw months and months and months ago that are higher than this. So don't give me that recency bias shit. Oh, I've given it and you're taking it. One Cut of the Dead. What do you know about this film? Too much, Hendo. Too much. I don't think you know anything about it. Uh, I think you're wrong. And I think I know too much about this film. Okay, well, I'm not going to say what this film was about for anyone who doesn't know anything about this film. You're going to say what it's about. It's, I say it is about, it is a zombie movie, okay? There you go. It's a foreign film. Okay. I didn't know anything going on. You're not into thinking film. of uh, Train to Busan, are you? No, I'm not thinking of Train to Busan. How good is Train to Busan, though? Train to Busan is probably about on par with this film. How dare you? <laughs> No, all I can say is I went into this film completely blind and- <laughs> It wasn't after our cocktail party, was it? We've made this joke many times. <laughs> Knock it off. And honestly, this film started off very confusing. I was like, why is this film so revered? Why is everyone loving this film? And I found out because, man, this film just took a very quick 180 and I fucking enjoyed the shit out of this film. Very, very good. So many- Meta callbacks, I guess you could say. Things that you just didn't think were going to happen. That they, Everything that you see throughout this film pays off. In some way or another, it pays off. It's such a smart film. And anyone who's going to go see it, just stick with it. I'm telling you, give it the time of day and you will be rewarded. It is a fantastic film. Number 20 for me. One Cut of the Dead. All right, mate. Over to your number 19. My number 19 is Gloria Bell. That is interesting that that ended up higher on your list than mine. Why? Because I saw it first and I loved oh, it. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I can't like I'm it as like, much as you if you saw it first. Check it out, mate. First. You might like it. And you're like, no, nah, it's better than what you thought. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is better than what you thought. This is a very, very strong film. I love that it's it's very realistic. Like, it's looking at this older woman played excellently by Julianne Moore who's trying to get back out there, trying to, you know, pick the pieces of her life back up. She gets a new romance happening. It's I just found it was such an honest and... I guess, mature film that really landed for me. Fantastic. All right, my number 19 film, I'm quite certain it's going to be higher up on your list. It is Sam Mendes, 1917. Wow. What number? 19. Wow. Yeah, wow, it is. Yeah, very wow. Good film. Top 20. Oh, stop it. Yeah. This is better than number 19. No, I, I think I said it quite clearly here that it is number 19. Great war film. So, what didn't you like about it? Because obviously there was a lot of issues. How is there a lot of issues? It's in my top 20 films of the year. Number 19. Calm your farm, all right? That's an insult to this yeah, film. It's not Hendo. an insult at all. An insult. You know, you know what it is? There are 18 other films that are better than this. Your math, as always, is outstanding, Hendo. Thank you, mate. 1917. I mean, who doesn't like this movie? It is technically fantastic. What Sam Mendes has done with this film, creating that awesome-looking one-shot, it is, it is a stunning spectacle. Seeing this at the cinema, it was amazing. The story, I think that's where the problem is. I think it's a bit of a, bit of a simple story, and I thought they could have had a bit more... A uh, bit more growth with that with that story, I guess. But in terms of a movie spectacle, this one takes the cake for me. Easily one of the best cinema experiences I had this year. Number nineteen. There you go, eh? 
All right. My number 18 is Jerga. 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 Which isn't as cool and as exploding as it sounds. It is basically about this Australian soldier who is going back into Afghanistan to seek you know, redemption, forgiveness for what he's done during the, the war. And I found this film so touching. It's filmed, it's almost filmed like a documentary. And seeing that it was actually filmed in Afghanistan, you really do have a sense of fear for not just our main character played by Sam Smith, but also like the crew. You're sort of watching, like, yeah. man, how do they do this? Like, it's really, really, it's a tense film. I just thought, I haven't seen anything like it this year. No one talks about it. Love it. Joker. Very nice. All right, my number 18 film is one I haven't spoken about yet. Just watched it recently. It is called Waves. Ah, I did not have a chance to see this. So, for anyone who doesn't know what Waves is about, it traces the journey of a suburban family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and coming together in the aftermath of a loss. Now, I didn't know much about this film at all going into it. I just heard it had good buzz, and holy shit, this film blew me away. You've got some incredible performances here from virtually the entire cast. The use of music and colour and lights worked fantastic in this film. It was very in your face, but it works to the film's benefit for me. This film, it went places I didn't expect it to go. The first half is so incredibly bonkers that I swear it probably would have been sitting in my top 10 at that point. While the back half does drop it a bit for me, it still had a lot of emotional weight in that back half. This is a very high recommend film for me. I still recommend you check it out, Dean. I don't like movies that get worse. What, so you so you think you only like movies that peak right at the end, and that's and that's the end of the film. See, you're doing that thing you do where you're saying you're you're, you're almost like trying to repeat back what I've said, but you say something completely different. I think you like said I've just said it. You don't like films that get worse, aka they have to finish at the best part of the movie. Otherwise, it would start to get worse. I just think a film should be peaking towards the end, Peaked. not not the first hour is great, and then yeah, you know it's it's fine. I wonder what film just goes all or just gradually goes from bad or not bad, but like the worst part of the film all the way to that very last scene is the best part. Seven. Oh, I mean, that's that's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. That's not bad. <laughs> no, all right. No, waves for me. Number 17. Very good. I will consider watching this. All right, my number 17 is a sequel and it's animated mm-hmm. and it has a character named Forky in it. It is, of course, Toy Story 4. Key. <laughs> Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. Ah, Toy Story 4. This is a movie that no one knew they wanted, and I watched it, and it was all the usual roller coaster of emotions that you get when you watch a Toy Story film. I got emotional at multiple points during this film. The relationship between the toys and each other. It's it's so good. They Pixar have this franchise down so well, it's not funny. Which is ironic because it is funny. Boom. The animation in this film, stunning. Absolutely stunning. Easily yep. the best of the four, which makes sense. Of course, considering technology because the technology has to continue peaking three three was stunning to look at but this this was on another level i really love this film that's why it's my 17 your expectations were quite low for this film going yeah they were you were like who's this forky prick on the i was like i guess i'll take the kids oh forky man i i was expecting to hate that stupid fork and it was like one of the funniest things about the movie who would expect that 
Pixar would put out this kids' film with this new main character who just wants to kill themselves nonstop. Gold. Hilarious. Genius. <laughs> All right, my number 17 is Booksmart. That is high. It is. Such a smart and witty coming-of-age film. That, oh, I'm uh, so glad you didn't say such a smart and booky film. <laughs> Which is where I thought you were going, because I know your sense of humor. I'm, I'm better than that, thank you. Uh, you're not. I know. It's, I dropped the ball on that one, actually. You did. It uh, was there for the take. Awesome fleshed out characters. The two leads here, Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever, they work so well together. Their chemistry is fantastic in this film. Their journey through, but it's another simple little super bad story. They just need to get to a party because it's their last chance to do it while they're in high school. I love the twist, though, that while they're the ones who have been studying this whole time to get into schools and not doing any of the social stuff, everyone else has been doing the studying as well, but they're also- I know. I know. Twist. I was blown away. Totally made me relook at that whole movie once I, I realized the twist. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even hold it in. No, okay. Great soundtrack as well. Really dug that. I just had a good time with this. This is a funny film. This is very enjoyable, smart, booky. See, that's uh, that's not that's no. You shouldn't do stuff like that. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Onto my number sixteen. It's the French film, The Ideal Palace. Well, this is a film festival film. It is a film festival film. Uh, the Ideal Palace, it, I don't know, this, this film, this film really spoke to me. I don't know why. It's about this quiet man who is almost, you know, on the spectrum, if you would. Mm-hmm. And he just, he loves his family and he wants to build a palace in his backyard, basically. And it sounds boring and it's not. It's just this beautifully well shot story that just keeps building. It just peaks at that perfect time right at the end of the film. Yeah. Nothing? <laughs> no, I can't be bothered. <gasps> Laziness. Unacceptable. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love this film. I cried. It was beautiful. 16 for me. All right. Well, my number 16, Rocket Man. First sleeping arrangements, kid. All of this is gone. I just hope you realise you're choosing a life of being alone forever. Don't you want to just sing without this ridiculous paraphernalia? People don't pay to see Reg White. They pay to see Elton John. <laughs> Very hot. It is. Really enjoyable. Very well acted, entertaining film. Taron Egerton. Man, I feel like he should have been nominated this year. What do you think? I mean, he's young. I'm sure it'll come for him. Do I think this film... This performance was worthy? Probably not, to be honest. Looking, it was a stacked field. Right, well, I felt like he should have. So, there. So, who would you take out? Well, I'd probably take out Antonio Banderas because I haven't seen Pain and Glory. Sorry, I I keep forgetting you're not a film buff. My mistake. (laughs) Uh, Filled with just the right amount of magic and a ton of fantastic Elton John songs. It plays perfect to the feeling of the movie at those points. It... I haven't seen this in a very long time, but it still lingers with me. Like, it's, does it? Yeah, it does. That's Think why about it's, it often, do you? I do. Because Elton John is hes a great artist. His music is fantastic. And the movie plays perfect with it in this musical style that I didn't expect. I didn't know it was going to turn into an actual film musical. And I enjoyed it better because of that. Despite of it. No, because the songs play right into the theme of what's happening at that point, which was perfect. It's a high recommend for me. Yeah, I, 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 I do like it a lot. But uh, I think maybe because of how much I enjoyed the Elton John songs rather than the actual movie per se. You said that about Bohemian Rhapsody too. And I stand by that. But Rocket Man, much better than Bohemian Rhapsody, oh, obviously. Not even a question. You just, I don't even know why you'd compare the two. All right, then let's take a break from the list and get to... We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? 
in our Pod v Pod 33 movie draft against Nick from the Epic Film Guys in our draft on director-actor combos. And Nick was so very generous to let us go first. So we had Marty Scorsese and Robert De Niro, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, Christopher Nolan and Michael Caine, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, Alfred Hitchcock and James Stewart. And then Nick had his picks and he picked Quentin Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson, James Cameron and Bill Paxton, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, John Ford and John Wayne, and Orson Welles and Joe Cotton. All right, let's take a look at some responses here. First one from JD at the In Session Film Podcast. I'm going team epic film guys for the Wells Cotton pick. Well, there you go. I was just about to make fun of that Wells Cotton pick and uh, JD. Put you, he put you in, his, he put put you in your place. place. Yeah. Uh, what have we got next? Patron Glenn Davies says, this isn't even a competition. Scorsese, Spielberg, Wright and Christopher Nolan on the same team. Come on. Louis Ream says, Team Movie Journey. Scorsese, Spielberg, Hitchcock. There's very little competition. Besides which, Team Epic Film Guys has, ugh, Tarantino and Cameron. Uh, to each their own. Uh, Colby Mack says, Damn, Team Movie Journey killing it. Nerd Adonis says, This is just, why'd it have to be so even? Team Epic Film Guys. Two guys on Friday podcast say, Team Movie Journey for me. Mayor of Nilbog says, Team Epic Film Guys. Carpenter is life. Just Joe says, you had me at Scorsese De Niro. Team Movie Journey every day. The Movie Drone Podcast says, easiest pick ever in my opinion, Team Movie Journey. Gidja Von LaRue says, ah, I love John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, but Team Movie Journey gets it, but only just. Only just is perfectly fine. I love getting it, even if it's only just. Shane Beauregard says, man, have to go Team Movie Journey, way too top heavy. Tom Schutzer says, Hank Spielberg and De Niro Scorsese should have been 1 and 1A on anyone's list. Can't wait to hear Team Epic Film Guys' reaction when they figure that out. (laughs) Ben of the Canuck Comic Con says, Team Epic Film Guys, but only because it has the fewest hacks on it. Tarantino and Nolan get my dander up, and Steven Spielberg is one of those guys who was good before he made it big, but Carpenter, Wayne, and Wells just consistently made such good stuff. I'm still waiting to get my dander up. There's medication for that. Hunkriol says, Team Epic Film Guys. They get the points for Tarantino, Sam Jackson, and Carpenter Russell. But Team Movie Journey has at least two of the greatest collaborations in cinema history. Uh, that sounds like enough for a point for Movie Journey. Not great enough. <laughs> Ghost of the Stratosphere says, Wow, this is brutal. Was Team Epic Film Guys throwing darts at the board? <laughs> Be Dizzle We Watched a Thing says, Damn, I much prefer when there is at least a little competition in these. Team Movie Journey by a mile. And our last one from Rob Manafield. Team Movie Journey. This is quite possibly the most one-sided movie draft so far. Rob, you are correct, mate, because let's take a look at the results. And in the biggest blowout we've had in our movie draft history. Ever. 86% to us to Nick's 14. And we have decided to make an executive decision and say that because we won by so much, it's actually worth two points. So I think we've It's a tie. It's a tie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess it just proves that skill in the end can win instead of uh, Canon Films and Charles Bronson. Yes. Now, bad luck, Nick. You are now hold a very special place in our heart as the person who got smashed the most in a movie draft. And still won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Let's get back to the list. What is your number 15? A film that I saw many, many months ago is Arctic. Arctic. Nice. Mads Mikkelsen in Antarctica doing his one-man show. The, wouldn't he be in the Arctic? He's fantastic. The snowy landscapes are incredible. Very, very good film. And very realistic as well. Like, it would be easy for a film like this to get a bit out there, but everything that happens is so believable. Bravo. 
Very good. On my number 15 is Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. Mm. See, I thought the Babadook a couple of years ago was great. This tops that for me. This was so, so good. This hit me hard. Very strong performances from the three leads here. Really ugh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable scenes. But it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd be concerned if you weren't uncomfortable. Exactly. <laughs> and they just hit, they hit hard. Like, it's, if a film can make you feel that, then it's doing something right. The backdrop and the setting in this film really works well. Like, it just, it feels authentic for the time. I would watch this again. It'd be a hard watch, but I'll watch it again. Don't! <laughs> But I'll definitely watch this again. Number 15, The Nightingale. Fair enough. I don't think I'd ever watch this again. Uh, but, not, num- but not in a it's bad kind of way. Oh, no, no, no. It's a it's a good film. It's just feel like a one and done for me. My number 14 is not a one and done film, though, and one that I definitely do want to watch for a second time. It is Ari Aster's Midsommar. Cool. I recommend you watch it a second time. Yeah, I obviously this is going to uh, no doubt pop up somewhere on your list. Somewhere. Florence Pugh. Just fantastic in this, but it's a it's that sense of, of foreboding, like you know, bad stuff is gonna happen. They're at this this cult, and it's so bright. The whole movie's bright, and it's this horror movie, and mm. you just see everything. It's messed up, but man, was I glued to the screen. All right, very good. My number fourteen. I have no doubt it's gonna pop up on your list a little bit higher. It is Ford v Ferrari. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even see this at cinema and it made my top 20. That's how good this film is. And I'm not even a car guy. And I fucking loved it. And I can't even spell. Christian Bale, as always, puts in a great performance. When when did Bale do his last bad performance? Little Women. Oh, the no- <laughs> back in 94. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't see him in that. Matt Damon brings it. He's, he's Matt Damon, though. He's definitely the uh, the secondary guy to Bale. He does bring himself to this. He film. does. I mean, I think what stands out for this film is obviously the car races. They have filmed so well by... James Mangold. I think the soundtrack really works well with it. It's a, just a fun, it's like a fun adventure. Like there's nothing that's like, wow, this is deep and powerful for me. It's like, it's just a good romp. Good story. I've watched it twice. I'll watch it a couple more times as well. Great film. 4V Ferrari. Very good. All right. My number 13 is Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. You need to rewatch that. Yeah, I do. And this, looking at my list, I have this at four stars and like it's thinking about it, it could easily get to that four and a half for me. It is... It is a phenomenal film. There's so much going on. And I love, I love aesthetically how it looks and the massive difference in when you're watching, you know, these upper class versus these people living in poverty in a basement in a flooded areas. It's just the contrast, the contrast is so great. It's unexpected. I was very, very enthralled when I was watching this. So number 13 for me. Very good. My number 13 is the peanut butter falcon. Nice. I didn't expect this to be this high when I started watching it. I thought this would be, yeah, this would be probably be a good little three and a half film. No, I thought the performances from Shia LaBeouf and Zach Gottsagan were great. Their chemistry works so well. It's a heartfelt story with so much comedy in it as well. I was equally laughing my ass off and touched by this story. Thomas Hayden Church, for his brief little scenes, he's great in it. I guess I th- what I've said so far, heartfelt story that works well as a comedy, that sums this movie up. It's an easy, easy watch. Yeah, it is. I can't see anyone who wouldn't like this film. Uh, that's a big call. You don't know what people are like. Some people have weird tastes. Not weird. I that's a very say, good point. I shouldn't say weird tastes. Some people have very different tastes. To us. Well, to me, at least. Not to us. I think you and I have reasonably similar tastes. Most of the time. All right. My number 12 is Hotel Mumbai. Ah, one of the tensest films I've seen this year. And that's actually saying something because there have been a lot of tense films this year. But this story of the terrorists going into this hotel and 
yeah, it's a true story. And what they do to everyone in there, there's just so many memorable scenes. One in particular of a woman with, yeah, this baby in a cupboard is just, oh, stop. Like, you're just watching <laughs> it like, okay, please, next scene. Yeah. It, yeah, it's such a great film. That's my number 12. All right. Well, my number 12 is Avengers Endgame. Not even top 10. No, it didn't make the top 10. I mean, what's there to say about Endgame that hasn't been said already? It's the biggest film ever. Yep. Culmination of- Culmination. Of how many How many films? 22 MCU films, was it? Yeah, I think that was the 23rd. Yeah. And it works perfect. Coming off of Infinity War, where they set up what is going to happen and that, that uh, anticipation over a year, and then it comes out with And this, then we get Captain Marvel. This three- <laughs> And Ant-Man wow, and, wow. and the Wasp. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. And then they smash out this three-hour film that doesn't feel like three hours at all. It is- timed and paced very well all these characters you've got to know over these last is it 12 years 11 years whatever it is it works perfect revisiting all these past films if you've seen all these films and you get all these references man that is a big boost for you i've seen this film twice last year it's a great film number 12 all right my number 11 at the heart of gold inside the usa gymnastics scandal not the snappiest title but it doesn't need to be because this is a very serious documentary about this scandal in the USA gymnastics team and I wonder where you got that from yeah I just I, I was lost for words must have been that and, snappy and I, title and I had a look at that snappy title for inspiration but no this is about basically this doctor who preys on young girls who are wanting to be gymnasts and what he does with them the whole the whole level of cover up and now no one will listen no one will speak it is enthralling and it's an important movie that more people should watch my number 11 fantastic Okay, the film that just misses my top 10 is the film I watched the most recent. I'm very happy I got to it. It is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, really? Yes. I wish I saw this. This is exquisite. Exquisite work. One of the best looking movies I've seen all year. Every shot is like a painting. It is gorgeous to look at. The two leads, they... They act their ass off in this. They are so good. Their chemistry with each other is fantastic. I I was mesmerized by virtually every scene in this film. It is a very, very powerful film. Strong messages. I honestly feel like this could go up on a rewatch as well. This was a great, great film. So happy I got to check it out just before we did this list. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, my number 11 film. Well, there you go. I definitely need to watch that one. All right, mate. Let's take another break and get to... There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! Find out the results of the latest 2010's best film tournament. First match here we've got is The Hunt takes out PK with a 93% win. An epic 29 votes on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next match we have Toy Story 3 taking out Drisham, 90% to 10%. Our next match here, Inside Out, defeats Rush with a 74% win. Next up we have three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, up against Logan, and Logan pips it 59%. Our next match here proves there wasn't a recency bias. Grand Budapest Hotel takes out Klaus with a 69% win. Next up, we have Insondi up against Gangs of Wasapur, and it is Insondi winning with an 84% victory. And our last match we've got to say here is the closest one out of all the matches so far. It is Shutter Island against Prisoners, and in an apparent upset, Prisoners takes out Shutter Island with a 57% win. Not an upset to me or you, though. We both did pick Prisoners to win that one. Absolutely. I think we've picked all the same so far. And all right so far. That's right. All right, mate. I think it's time to take a quick trip down memory lane. And it was about this point last year where we took on Paul and Wayne. 
ah, in the countdown. Nice. That was fun. That was a good time. I mean, having Wayne on the show is one of the one of the bigger highlights, I reckon. For sure. He's such a character and uh yeah, I mean he's he's funny. He just talks, he doesn't try to be funny, and he's hilarious. And there's Paul too. Paul's there. He he does serviceably well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so why don't we go have a little listen to that episode? I'm gonna go shape of water. You are absolutely incorrect. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh, he put his fist on the party already. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a movie that old people would love. Like, it's a very old people sort of vibe. No offence to old people, but as I was watching, I was like, man, these old people would be sitting back in their, you know, recliners, knitting their sweaters, just having a ball with this film. What was the highest grossing film of the year 2000 in the US? Dear God, this is a hard question. Mission Impossible 2. What the <laughs> fuck? Nah. If you, had a, if you had a trumpet sound, you should play that right now. Holy shit. No yep. one should ever play something. <laughs> Mums and dads, one after the other, are mysteriously feeling the irresistible impulse to attack and kill their own offsprings. Did you say mysteriously? Yeah, you don't know why. You don't know why they're doing it. But they just As decide. a father, I have some idea. <laughs> In Pulp Fiction, what does Vincent complain about when he goes to Lance's house to buy drugs? Uh, some dude scratching or keying his car? Fuck yeah, you got that one. Jesus. Yeah! Yeah! What's up? Woo! Oh my god, Paul and I just did a high five. We haven't Woo! done that since fucking Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm good. I've done nothing this week. Nothing worth note. We went to the zoo together, cunt. <laughs> you didn't say anything. <laughs> well, I'm not going to bring it up. Well, I didn't want to steal your highlight of the week. <laughs> All right, Wayne, we've got for you... Halle Berry. So I'm going to say Monster's Ball. Very good. Hey, well done. All right. Um, swordfish? No. Damn it, she showed her titties in there. That's exactly why I was, <laughs> I was, I was sensing a theme there, Wayne. <laughs> okay, let's go The Thing. I mean, sure. Hang on. Hang on a second. What are you doing? Just leave it where it is. Really? Isn't this known for? I got a scroll. No, like, no, no. Just stay in the front for you, dude. Oh, You're not looking four. for the ones I say. <laughs> I was. I totally was. I know. Hey, well, at least it's uh, it's better than Suicide Squad. That is my glowing review. Okay. It, put well. that on the cover. It is better than Suicide Squad. Well, there's someone out there that likes Suicide Squad. Not you though. Just say something bad about DC. Do it. Will, Will Smith's good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kick this off with Die Hard. Correct. That's a, that's a good first God choice. Did you just say correct? <laughs> correct. That's it. Thank you. Because that's what was not on our list. <laughs> I look forward to your vote, Paul. <laughs> Here's one from Jimmy Roberts. As a huge DC fan, I went into this expecting a lot. Ah, man. Unfortunately, it didn't deliver. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> shot your load too quickly. Perhaps my Sorry expect... Sorry, my life. <laughs> Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there. And there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Tee Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So 
If you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Hendo controls our main handle, at The Movie Journey, and I am at Deans250Journey. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash The Movie Journey, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. And we also have a new Facebook discussion group. Yeah, a little listener community going on over there. Yeah, head on over, join up. We'd love for you to be a part of the discussion. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. Or if you're really loving the show and want more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, we've got over 70 episodes over there, including such classic film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series, as well as some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, we got a string of patron-requested reviews coming up, and this week it is from our awesome patron, Mr. Hayden Gerloff, and he has selected This Is England. Yeah, fantastic. I haven't seen it. I've heard good things about it, and I'm keen to get into it. Yeah, well, I've heard absolutely nothing about this film, so it's going to be an interesting uh, watch for me, I tell you. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, let's get back into the list. Our top 10. We're getting there, mate. What do you got for us? All right, let's let's race into gear here with a movie that you've just talked about. It is Ford versus Ferrari. Nice. This was, as you said, you're not a car guy. I'm not a car guy. I went in with, like, like I heard it was good. I didn't think I would love it, though. And I love this movie. As you say, Christian Bale, Matt Damon, fantastic. But the as, the racing is incredible. The sound design, mixing, it is. it was so good at the cinema. Cannot stress it enough. I was so happy I went out and saw this film. That's why it's my number 10. Fantastic. My number 10. Probably might not have been in my 10 if I didn't go for a rewatch. That is Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smile. Definitely eat shit. Yes, the old rewatch bump. Absolutely. Knives Out. This might be the last time you got a rewatch bump on this one. Knives Out. My God. That was so good. Such an awesome little murder mystery that has so many memorable characters, so many awesome a- actors in this film. What an ensemble cast this was. Ryan Johnson, you love subverting your expectations, and boy, he does it in this film once again. Going back on a murder mystery, on a rewatch, you pick up all the little things he has right in your face that you just don't see the first time around, and it's awesome. You weren't a fan of Daniel Craig and his accent? No. I didn't mind it. It was fine. Apparently, we're going to get a a series of him now or something. I would go for that. I would easily watch those films. Yeah, he annoyed me. This was a fun time. I'd watch this again for sure. Knives Out, my number 10. Fantastic. All right, my number nine, Uncut Gems. Nice. The Safdie brothers following up with a good film for once after their good time. That must be some sort of ironic title. How dare you, bastard. But this film, Adam Sandler, he's been talked about a lot, and it's but it's not just his, you know, really good performance. 
the way this is filmed is it's phonetic. Like it really is phonetic. You care so much about these characters, which is odd because they're not relatable for me. These aren't people I have ever met or know in my real life, but you see them and you're just like, no, don't do that. Stop making the same mistake again. But they do it. And when you find yourself just like, stop, stop. (laughs) It's like, oh, you know the film's effective. Oh, yeah. Great film. Number nine. All right. Nice. My number nine. I'm pretty sure it's coming up on your list too. Marriage Story. Ah. Yes. This was just... It's such an emotional film. I mean, this is something, as a married man, you do not want to be going through. You do fear every day. Especially after watching this film. (laughs) Acting is on point. Johansson, Driver, Dern, they all deserve their nominations. Come on. Oh, okay. He wasn't nominated. He does not get nominated. No, I'm talking about the nominations. They are all well deserved in this film. The script is fantastic. It is fluent and real. Honest. Yes. Some amazing scenes in this film of just like natural progression of an argument, for example, and it's just smooth and it feels authentic. I won't go too much into it anymore because I know it's coming up on your list, but for me, this is a great film and it's my number nine. All right, my number eight, the first of two films I saw twice at the cinema this year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. It is nice. And this is a film that definitely, you talk about bumping things up on second watches or changing your rating. This is one that I did put up on a second viewing because I went in the first time, I had no idea about any of the Sharon Tate case and all the little references to it completely went over my head. But on a second viewing, when you're not going in expecting this huge, you know, massacre of a Tarantino film, like I thought this was about, you know, the Manson family. I thought this was going to be almost horrific, like a horror movie throughout. It's not like that at all. Mm. It really is this showcase about a man and someone who's struggling with getting old, with being past their prime. And I just think there's so much there to be said with not just this character, but also like a lot of these guys, like Tarantino, like he's getting on now and he's looking at himself as an older filmmaker and I love what he did with this film. So, yeah, number eight for me. Great film. Very good. Well, my number eight is Arctic. Nice. I mean, Mads. Buddy Mads. Mads. He's a one-man force in this film. Obviously, the snow backdrop is stunning to watch in this film and just having Mads Mikkelsen just essentially just taking what is a pretty harsh journey across snow to get to the place he needs to before he dies basically he puts in a miraculous performance here the story escalates and escalates as it goes along here I don't think it peaks in the middle I think this continues along every bit sense of danger gets more and more as you go along here how good are those movies that get better as it goes they move higher up on this list The cinematography can't be overlooked here. Obviously, the backdrop of snow helps, but I think this looks much more crisper than other snowy films that I've seen recently as well. I love how this movie ended. I'm not going to spoil it just in case, but I think it ended perfect. Just in case. I think there are a lot of listeners who haven't seen this film. No, it's been out for nearly a year now, so I don't like to spoil films from like six years ago anyway. So, Mads Mikkelsen, really- six from? (laughs) I don't know. Pick a number. Mads Mikkelsen owns this film. Arctic. Seven. Number eight. All right. My number seven is Ad Astra. Yep. I was waiting for it. I I struggled with placing Ad Astra on my list. I was there's a few coming up. I initially had it as high as four at one point, but this this movie is incredible. Like it's it's one of those few films that once I saw it at the cinemas and the credits came on, I just sat there and watched the entire credits, not because anything interesting was happening, but just because I was just in that in that mood. It affected me. The tone of this film is so captivating and even though there are some 
scenes in it that, you know, I've heard people complain about with, you know, space monkeys and space pirates. The more the merrier. I love all this stuff. Like, it doesn't, it is a slow film and these sort of bouts of action don't detract from the story of this film. Brad Pitt's phenomenal. He should have got nominated for this. Highly recommend it. Number seven for me. Fantastic. All right. My number seven, you've already mentioned it. At the heart of gold, inside the USA gymnastic scandal. Very good. This uh, this documentary was just one giant gut punch. This is a, a chilling, sickening, horrid documentary that everyone needs to see. As someone with two daughters myself, this gave me that extra one-two combo. It is truly baffling how the depraved acts that occur here get overlooked or shielded away from for so many years because it's not just the one guy who's responsible for this. It's everyone who turns a blind eye to it and continue to let this happen. This is essential viewing. It doesn't hold back at all. It will make you uncomfortable and horrified, but it needs to be seen in the hopes that it gives people the courage and the power to speak up. This is my number seven film. Fantastic film. All right, my number six, the second film I saw twice at the cinemas this year, Avengers Endgame. Okay. Of course this was here. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't say it like you don't love it too. This movie is phenomenal. Like, it's- It did not, not only, a lot's been talked about how this stuck the landing, you know, this is years and years all reaching this one point. It's incredible how well this movie incorporated so many different characters, so many different elements and did it in such an emotional way. Like, it's not just that, oh, the action's great. Which it is. It's not just all these little Easter eggs that diehard fans would get and all these moments that like people, like fans of the MCU, just see and just froth over because it's so memorable. I love this film. Avengers Endgame, number six. All right. Well, my number six is Little Women. Very good. And uh, I must give you the props here for convincing me to move this from a four to a four and a half. <laughs> but yeah, what a great film. Greta Gerwig, killing it in this film. Such a very luscious looking film. Great cinematography, fantastic Gorgeous. music. The story is very well known, but I didn't know anything about this story. So it's a fresh one for me. And boy, it was very engaging. And I had a really fun time with this film. The acting is great in this film from so many of the cast. The way the story is told and paced from what I've heard about some of the older versions, how they don't do that, I think it is a great turn and a very smart way of retelling a very old classic book. We can't sidestep Greta Gerwig and her awesome director role here. I think she is one of the best of the year. She puts on an amazing film. Little Women is my number six film. All right, mate, before we get to our top five, we want to hear what you guys have to say. That's my question! The question, jerk! And of course, we asked you, what is your favourite film of 2019? Let's take a look here. Lots of different answers, I must say, Dean. Obviously, there's many, many films out there. Shelley says, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Fair enough. The Outhouse podcast says, I have to go with 1917, but then again, having a history degree may create a little bias. Maybe a little. Marshall Lockjaw says, Joker. Watch this. Rank that. Says, since I'm seeing a lot of the same favourites, I'll go off the board and say, Sword of Trust. It was just a fun little watch. Hmm, I haven't seen that one. I haven't heard of it. Okay. BS with Bobby and Sarah podcast says, Downtown Abbey. Full disclosure, Bobby saw hardly any 2019 movies. (laughs) I'm glad they felt the need to justify that pick. (laughs) (laughs) The Movie Mustache says, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Alex Lord Bird Kalinsky says, Knives Out. Kyle Flyberg says, Midsommar. Benjamin French says, Amazing Grace. The Schleicher Spin says, Waves. It's good pick. Or Waves. No, stop. What are you doing? 
<gasps> Brooke says, once upon a time in Hollywood. Ronnie Castle says, the Irishman. Mm. John Mueller says, Apollo 11. Carlo 2020 says, I haven't seen a lot, but so far, us is the best I've seen. Cumberfleck 0306 says, light of my life. You heard of that one? No. Nah. It's a Casey Affleck film. Uh, Mustn't be very good. I heard middling things on it, so yeah. I yeah, sort of pushed it aside. The Real Doer says, the two popes. Okay. Tony says, the lighthouse. Chris says, Midsommar did not disappoint. I watched this due to the trailer alone. Ah, proof that trailers can work sometimes. Rukav says, still have to make up my mind between Knives Out and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Well, be sure to comment when you have. <laughs> Jeffrey Care says, Marriage Story. Farrier Collins, of course, says Ford v Ferrari. Of course. Josh Gordon says Parasite. Such a refreshingly unique film. The F1 Everything podcast says Ford versus Fer- No, what? Dr. Sleep. Wow. Lindsay Dunn says it's Honey Boy for me. Cinematic Garbage says The Lighthouse. Don't make the joke. Oh, I mean, it's, it's right there. Don't you no, dare. It is right there. It's not. The Basement Binge. Says Ad Astra. Ryan Alteri says Judy. Jake Bennett says I gotta go with Uncut Gems, a pure shot of brilliant filmmaking. Netflix and Swill says Under the Silver Lake. Cinema Recall says Jojo Rabbit. Okay. TJ Delaney says Oh, Dean's gonna love this answer. The Lighthouse. Black and white, pretentious meaning and ending. Let the light consume you, Dean. Do it, Dean. You hit the nail on the head when you said pretentious. And lastly here, we have the cinema guys saying once upon a time in Hollywood. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response. But we're going to take a look at our collective top 10 from all of our awesome listeners on our Facebook listener community and our patrons who all pitched in their top 10 films of 2019. All right, Dean, since you haven't seen this collective result, what's, what's your picks for number one? Parasite. All right. Well, 10 and 11 were out by one point. So, unfortunate for number 11, Uncut Gems. But number 10 is Joker. Nine, Jojo Rabbit. Eight is Midsommar. Seven is The Irishman. Six is Knives Out. Five is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Four is 1917. Three is Marriage Story. Two is Avengers Endgame. (laughs) And number one by a pretty extensive margin is Parasite. There you go. Thank you very much, everyone, for putting in your top tens. It was fantastic. What a great top ten list. No lighthouse. Good to see. And for next week's question of the week, considering we're doing My Neighbor Totoro, we're going to ask you, what is your favourite Studio Ghibli film? All right, mate, we're into our top five. Yes, we are. Kick it off with you, mate. What is your number five film of 2019? Let's kick it off with some weird dancing. We're going Joker. Okay, go on. Go on. (laughs) I'm going to take a nap. I mean, I know you hate this film. I'm so bored by it. But I just, how can you go past Joaquin Phoenix? Mate, he's amazing in this. Yeah, I don't don't disagree. The score. What a fantastic score. Yep, score's good. The story, fantastic. Seen it before. You've seen it. You've seen Joker before. Seen the story before. In what? Other films. No, you haven't. King of Comedy. King of Comedy? No. Done better. Say at least Taxi Driver if you're going to be serious. Go on. Keep going. Well, like, I, I joke a lot about how much you hate this film because you don't actually, you actually like I it. I do like this film. But you were genuinely, genuinely coming across as though you don't like this film. No, good film. Why are you doing this, Hendo? For this reason alone. Anyway, I do love this film. Saw it at the cinemas and it, yeah, it kind of blew me away. Like, there's a lot of little twists and turns in it, which I loved. It's shockingly, the violence is not extreme, but when it happens, it's it's bloody. And I loved it. And it's it's such an enjoyable, depressing film to watch. I'm shocked how successful it was. Mm. Shocked how many Oscar nominations it has. But I love it. And I'm, I'm right there with it. So, number five, Joker. Very good, mate. I'm glad you liked it so much. Well, my number five, you've already mentioned it. It is Ari Aster's Midsommar. I must stress that my all my top five I got to rewatch. Watching this again on a rewatch, ugh, 
It's stayed the same rating, but man, it still got better for me. The not-so-subtle relationship breakup in this film, it's done so well in this weird turn in this horror film that, like you said, is in almost entirely in daylight. You don't think horror films, you think daylight. And it works perfect. It is just this tense and unnerving, uncomfortable feeling you have throughout this whole film where you know something bad is going to happen, but you can't tell when. I go to the bits where they have the drugs and then the like the camera lens changes and everything looks so yeah, weird. Yeah, exactly. You are in their frame of mind. Oh, and that shot when they're driving towards that, that cult area and the camera like does a full like 360 on yep, itself. Oh. That gave me some sort of headache, which was great. Yeah. It's what it's supposed to do. It is great. This film blew me away the first time. It blew me away the second time. It is better than Hereditary, which is also a fantastic film. Florence Pugh is fantastic in this film. Most people know I'm not the biggest fan of horror films. This one does it almost perfectly in that uncomfortable nature. Midsommar is my number five film for the year. Very good. All right, my number four, Marriage Story. Yep, solid choice. You said it beautifully earlier. This is an acting tour de force by so many people in this film. And I love I love the lawyers and I love their relationship, not just with, you know, Adam Driver and Johansson, but also between themselves. Like, this is, at the end of the day, this is just their job, you know? Yeah. But then you've got these other people whose lives are just being destroyed, being crushed, just because they can't. They can't get on that same level. Like, there's this dispute that just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs to the point where things are out of control. And seeing both Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson get out of control is just amazing. Such a scary film. This should be a horror film. (laughs) It's number four for me. Very good. All right. My number four film is... The Irishman. Okay. How good was it that we got to go see this at the cinema? <laughs> oh, so good. Not many people can say that. That's true. I mean, this is like Marty Scorsese's tour de force as he heads into older age because this is basically what the story is. It is a story of one man's epic journey through decades of his life that isn't a fun journey. The, the places that this story goes is depressing. It shows the other side of a gangster movie, the side where, hey, it's not all glitz and glamour. No, but I feel we I feel we have seen it's not the other side, you know, the not glitz and glamour of it before. Yeah, but I think this is from a different light in terms of just the progression of age. Like the way you, I think you're talking about Goodfellas here, where I mean, it just results in death and murder. Yeah, and, sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of gangster films do that. But I feel like this is just life as well. Like, you don't- yeah, This, this think, isn't a very violent film. I think that's the key for this film. This is not about, you know, gangsters and the other side. This is about- like people on yes, the other side. What exactly. happens to people when they get old? What is important to people as they get old? And I thought this was my one. Well, I'm 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 hijacking it. I wonder why. <laughs> all right, all right. No, you, you go, you go. I'm pretty stunned that De Niro hasn't got any recognition for this. He is sensational in this film because this story is essentially about him. It is about him. And seeing the emotions he goes through from a young age, the problems he has to go through, like the choices he has to face throughout this movie and the ramifications it has on not just him, but his family as well. And seeing where he ends up throughout his life and the people he loses along the way, whether it's through death or through just not seeing them anymore, it is brutal. He is sensational in this film. Would you say he is? As good as Taron Egerton? <laughs> He's better than Taron Egerton. Whoa. <laughs> That's why this film is up higher than Rocket Man. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Pesci, Pacino, they are also fantastic. P- Pacino is just, he's hamming it up. He knows he's hit, he's getting towards the end of his career here. He's going mean, to- His career's over. Yeah. This is, he's going to put in this he performance- He hasn't worked for years. That's true. Same with Pesci. He's come back after, what, 10 years? After a Snickers commercial? Puts in a tour de force here with his, with his bloody performance. <laughs> 
even the even the CGI in this film, the de-aging, I think it looks fantastic. I don't have a problem with it at all. People are saying, oh, it looks shit. I disagree. I agree. The fact that I've said so much positive shit about this film and it is at my number four just shows how good 2019 has been. My number four is The Irishman. Fantastic. All right, my number three is stupidly, stupidly misplaced on your list, but here it is where it should be, 1917. If you don't get there in time, we will lose 1,600 men. Your brother among them. Good luck. Very good. It is very good, isn't it? <laughs> Better than very good. Yeah, it's it is great. Yes, I would say it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> it's almost a masterpiece. <laughs> this film, what an experience. Like, this this is an experience. This is a movie that in 10, 15 years, I'll remember watching this at the cinema and how I felt and how every, that feeling of that, that camera, like a lot of people have talked about this, you know, perceived one shot, but the best thing about it is it just makes you feel like you are there with them. It feels like it's happening, like it's real. And when you can have a movie be made like that, it just, you know, hats off to you. This film, insanely good. Number three. All right. Well, my number three is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Here's another film that on a rewatch shot up for me, just like happened to you, mate. This is a very, like a somber piece for Tarantino. Just set in the in the 1960s, it is so authentic. Tarantino, you can basically see like the blood, sweat and tears that he puts into his films. Every shot is like meticulous. He crafts his movies so well from the classic soundtrack to the way everything is shot and looks of old school Hollywood. He doesn't hold back on anything here. DiCaprio, Pitt, Margot Robbie, they are all great in their roles. The story of Rick Dalton and his, his realization that his career is over, like his career is coming to an end. And to see him go through the range of emotions as he's trying to keep his career alive with these performances and when he screws up a scene or something, it's great. DiCaprio, he's always good. Brad Pitt is funny as hell in this film. Puts in a great performance. I can see why he's getting the, the best supporting actor wins everywhere. Really? Yeah. I kind of disagree. I uh, think he's I think he's good, but I don't think it's you know his best performance or anything. I didn't say it's his best performance. I'm saying yeah, I can see I just, why th- he would I get it. I find it odd that this is the film that everyone's latching on. This feels much more like a career award as opposed to your performance in this film. Okay, fair enough. Do you disagree? Uh, Do a little. Watching Cliff Booth as Rick's sidekick, just this down-to-earth awesome guy who's just there for Rick at every step to help him out in whatever he needs. No questions asked. Their chemistry is fantastic in this film. His side story as well is so funny. Lots of callbacks that happen throughout the film. I knew going into the film that there had a lot to do with Sharon Tate and the Mansons and all that. So when that last third act kicked in, man, that was very tense for me. I didn't know what was going to happen at every single step. Anything could have happened. It's a bloody Tarantino film. And the way it went, man, it was it was great. It was so good. Tarantino has crafted another fantastic film here. Honestly, honestly, this could go to a five stars if I watch this again. I don't know. It's got a possibility. Big call. You do give them out like candy, though. I don't know where you're getting that from. Why? Why is that? <laughs> oh, we'll say. <laughs> Giving him out like candy. Okay. Anyway, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is my number three. Fantastic. My number two, I can't believe I'm saying this, is Little Women. Why can't you believe you're saying that? Because I was not prepared to be bowled over like I was once I saw this film. Like, I, I know there's another one that was very popular. My wife loves it. She'd never bothered to show me it because I had no no interest in it. It looks like a bored, boring period piece, but it is anything but. But it is this great, amazing story about 
about these these women and not just the little women, but a lot of women, Laura Dern included, and their their struggle with trying to make their own world, with trying to find their identity in a world that is dominated by men. And to see parallels that are happening now is powerful. As you say, the way it's the way it's presented with the time jumping, I, I loved it. And I watched the the old one after I watched this and it's just, it loses so much where you don't see the comparison straight away. I really did. I just love these characters. I really did. Greta Gerwig, phenomenal. Should have been nominated. Number two, Little Women. Fantastic. Okay. My number two. Now, my number one and my number two were four and a halfs when I watched them the first time. And then on a rewatch, they both went to five stars because both of these films are amazing, incredible, outstanding. Like candy, Hendo. So, <laughs> so because I had two five stars to your one, it's like, oh, you, you gave double the amount of movies five stars that I did. Yes, double. Yep. No, I couldn't care less what you think. What I had difficulty- well, that's just mean. What I had difficulty with was deciding which one was better here. Had a long, hard think about it. Very tough. But in the end, my number two is Parasite. Okay, tell me why. Well, I'm not going to tell why you why compared this, to the first one. Why was this not good enough to get number one? <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm talking about how good this film is. Parasite is, it's a, it's a bloody masterpiece in all fairness. This film blew me away the first time I watched it, but then watching it again the second time and just seeing how meticulous Bong Joon-ho is in crafting this film. And it's just this story of this, like you said, this family in, in a poor environment who's essentially infiltrating this rich family by doing all this manipulative shit to get jobs within the house and then taking control. It's such a I feel like it's I feel like it's like a work of art how he does it. That montage in the middle involving peach fuzz is perfect. It is for me one of the best scenes of the year. The way it is handled where within this lit like this what 5 6 minute montage you get so much story encapsulated with this awesome fantastic score. The way the direction is handled, the back and forth shots, like panning shots, it it is conflicted and it feels like its own entire movie in this one little segment. The acting throughout this film is insane from so many of the actors involved in this film. It's in, it's quite insane where this film ends up about halfway through this film, I must say. It takes a complete 180 and it's for the better. Like this isn't a, oh, oh, really? They went with this? No, it just, it makes so much sense from if you, from what you've seen so far, everything that you get, get questions for are answered before you even have to ask the questions. You mentioned the aesthetics of this film. The cinematography, the way this is shot, the look at like the house. The house is beautiful. Yeah, great design. And the use of stairs throughout this film, which encompasses the different factions of the rich and the poor. and down. Exactly. In terms of class as well. Honestly, it's not a hot take here that this is one of the best films of the year. Not at all. Absolutely not. Everyone knows. Everyone's saying it. If you love this film, you know why. And from what I've said, I think you all know this. Parasite is obviously one of the best films of the year, one of the best films of the decade. It is my number two film of 2019. All right, mate. We're up to our number ones. What is yours? All right. My number one, and it's been my number one since I saw it, with you at that cinema that day. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it is, sorry. It is Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Sooner or later. Get the gun out of his hands! Everybody put here as a date when he's going to go. 
You want to be a part of this fight? Would you like to be a part of this history? Yes, I would. Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. A fine choice. It is a fine choice. A fine choice that ages like wine and is absolutely amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. I watched this film three times within like a fortnight and maybe not a fortnight. I watched it once, then two weeks later it came out and then I watched it twice in that following week. And you have a full-time job with three kids. I do. How did I do it? Because this movie is amazing. Out. No, I'll stop. Everything you've said is true, but I just, I really, the direction from Scorsese is, it's so... I don't know. This is not Goodfellas. Goodfellas is this fast-paced, fun film. This is not a fast-paced film. It's not boring, though. It's It goes to three and a half hours, and I just want more. Like, this guy, the Irishman, Robert De Niro, conveys so much. And the scene towards the end when he's sitting on a bed, talking to someone on a phone, it's heartbreaking. Seeing him with his family is heartbreaking. This man could have had so much more, but he chooses his life, and he faces the consequences for it. He looks back on his life, and he And it forces you to reflect. Now, I'm still but a young man, but I feel like if I watch this film again in 30 years, it's going to hit home even more than it has now. I absolutely love it. I'm so happy that Scorsese was able to get these actors together one last time. De Niro, Pacini, Pesci, Romano. Did you just say Pacini? No, Pacini, De Niro, Pacino. (laughs) I probably did say Pacini. You definitely did. Pesci, Romano, of course. Harvey Keitel, throw him in. Am I missing anyone big? Bobby Cannavale? Yeah, he's pretty good. Nah, love this movie, and it is definitely my number one of 2019. Nice. Good pick. All right, my number one is Uncut Gems. This is me. This is how I went. Man, this is the movie I still think about. Nice. If I have a list of these films right here, this is the one I'm going to watch straight away again. This hit me like a ton of bricks, this film. Just, like you said, frenetic in your face the entire time. It does not let up. And people think that's a bad thing. It was not for me. Who thinks it's a bad thing? People who give Damn this- people. People who give this negative reviews or, you know, middling reviews. Like, oh, it's a bit too in your face. Oh, you know, I didn't like that. No, I loved it. I love it when I just cannot stop watching this screen because watching Adam Sandler's Howard do these stupid things over and over again, the fact that I cannot stop watching him do this shows the power of his performance in this film, the awesome direction from Josh and Benny Safdie, the score in this film is just, oh, it's it's in your ears the whole time in a good way. Like, it's not, it's obviously, it's not calm like a little women per se. It is deafening and it keeps you, like, enraged in this film. This is the perfect score for a film like this. Seeing some trivia along the way of this film that a lot of these scenes are just being shot from, like, hidden cameras in, like, buildings watching Adam Sandler go down the street just talking to normal people in that diamond district in New York. It, it makes it that much more authentic. It's perfect. The way this movie ends, I'm obviously not going to spoil it, but it it blew me away. I did not expect anything like that happening. Where the movie twists and turns, it felt earned and justified. But you're with Sandler's character and you just want him to stop. You want him to stop it. And because you are so invested in what he's doing, every time he makes a decision, whether you think it's right or wrong, you are just there just clawing your hands to bits going, oh, stop it or do something else. It is amazing. I seriously, I cannot stop thinking about this film. I cannot wait to rewatch it. Absolutely. The best film of 2019, The Safety Brothers Uncut Gems. In a close one. Close finish. Yes. Where mine was a clear number one. Yours was sort of like what, a couple of one. What are you halves. doing? What? 
No, thank you. Thank you for sharing your list with me, Hendo. It's always good to hear so many, you know, opinions from you that are, you know, middling. But some of them are, are, are all right. Did we not have like five or six films each the same in the top ten? Yes, we had five. You had five correct answers in your top <laughs> ten. <laughs> no, very good, mate. That is 2019. We're looking forward to 2020. What's your hopes? What are my hopes? To be as good as 2019. Well, that's going to be that's going to be a high bar to cross. It is going to be a high bar. But who knows? We'll see how we go. Yes, of course. So, next week, we're back to the breakdowns. And, of course, it is my turn and I've chosen my neighbour Totoro. And then after that, we'll be, back, we'll be back for another Pod v Pod. So, back to the regular scheduled programming. Can't wait. All right. So, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out this episode. And we will see you next week for My Neighbour Totoro. Bye. Bye. <laughs>